0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Eric Barton. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, Yeah, it's a short list for sure, Mike. Uh, But if you've ever met my wife, it's much longer the things that she's able to do. She actually has the doctorate. I'm just the one that went to school. Uh, She wrote most of the papers, proofread, and all of that. Uh, So really, she really gets all of the credit for that. Uh, It's hard to believe. I love getting to come and to be here from time to time. I am mainly at the White House campus, but I can look out and see some faces that, wow, we go way back. And it's hard to believe. I've been uh, at Bethel uh, a little over 10 years now, and it's the longest time I've ever done anything in my life. And I hope the Lord continues to uh, keep us here, because I say this about Bethel, that it would be the place, whether we were downtown, south, or at White House, if we were a family moving in, Bethel is the church that we would want to be a part of. And uh, that's a unique thing, As I I get to talk to people all around uh, the country, it seems like, man, so many are at churches, that they're just struggling, and I love being at Bethel. But I'll be honest with you, this morning, here we are. Just a few hours to the end of 2017. And I'm going to be honest with you. I hate January. I don't know, but January is always, for me, the hardest month of the year. You may love it, uh, but I don't. Um, And I know this about me. It's because most of the time, I tend to be a little bit of a pessimist. I like to refer to myself as a realist. Uh, But I I tend to kind of see the negative of things, and some of you are the opposite. You're a little more optimist, but as I would like to refer to you, delusional. And, but but that's kind of what happens. So at the beginning of the year, you might see it as endless possibilities. It's a blank slate, and you are just excited to see where this year is going to go, the things that are going to happen, and it is full of excitement and anticipation. But if you're like me... It doesn't quite feel like that. It feels like you're at the bottom of a mountain. And you got this huge mountain you're going to climb, you have no idea how to do it. You have no idea how you're going to get everything done. And so it comes with a lot of anxiety and fear. And that's just, I know that about myself, so I have to do some things to fight against that. One, I try to surround myself with people that are a little more delusional. I need more of those people in my life, and Eric Barton is definitely one of those. You know, no matter what's happening, he can see the good in it. I need people like that around me. So this morning, I want to invite you to the book of Psalms. The psalm we're going to look at is often used, at least by me, about setting my perspective. I know that's a lot of the problem. My perspective gets off And then I find myself controlled by anxiety and fear. And so this psalm this morning is all about facing fear. It's the psalm of 121. So as you're finding your way there, you know, this idea of fear is such a powerful thing in our lives. Whether you tend to be an optimist like some people or a pessimist like me, we all struggle with fears. It's just a part of life. Think about when you're a young child. They have fears of the dark. Monsters that go through fears, sadly, of some of them being abandoned or hurt. You get a little older, fear's still there. You have a fear fitting in, especially through those troubled elementary and teenage years, being rejected for maybe what you have or even what you don't have. Fear of your parents divorcing. Fear of failing at some sport or activity. Well, you might move past those fears, but there's some others that are waiting just around the corner. Fears of dealing with your education, jobs, marriage, children, parenting, finances, our health. So fears is something that seems like we're born into, but we never actually grow out of it. It is always there. So this morning, through this psalm, this is what I hope we see. That there is nothing we will ever face where God is not already there. There's nothing you'll have to ever face. There's nothing you'll ever go through that God is not already there. So I want to read this psalm. It's only eight verses. And then let's walk down through it this morning. This is how it reads 121 I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who helps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil, and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. And this is the word of the Lord. So this Psalm 121, it's a a psalm of ascent. And this would often be read by someone that was going into or traveling on a journey. In fact, this psalm here is probably written by a young Jewish traveler. He's most likely going to the setting of Jerusalem. The annual time that they would pilgrimage from their homes to this greatest of all cities. And we find this young traveler, he could have been carrying some things. Perhaps some things for the sacrifices that he has been uh, kind of growing these animals or preserving them all throughout the year. Or maybe he's been saving up. He's going to go to those money changers. He's going to buy what he needs for his sacrifices. So he'd be traveling with perhaps animals and gold, maybe some silver. So imagine this young man packing up that donkey, knowing this journey That he's so excited about going on, he finally gets to the edge of that his territory. Maybe he's never gone this far before by himself. But he looks out over the horizon and he can see the most beautiful city he could imagine. And over the valleys and over the hills, he can see Jerusalem. But as he stands there, he knows that there's great danger between him and where he wants to go. Because in between him and this place of worship, there's these peaks and valleys, these deserts and rivers, and soon fear would set in. I had the privilege this past fall to go with Bethel to the Middle East to be able to see Jerusalem. And it is, it's a city that sets up on this hill. Imagine him standing off knowing this wasn't just an easy journey. He'd be traveling, and through the night he'd have to be, be fearful of animals, And night he'd have to be aware of robbers that would know people are going to be traveling with all their valuables. This is our time to take advantage. But his heart wants to go to Jerusalem. And he stands at the edge of this territory, looking off to Jerusalem. And then he tells himself, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? So he stands there and he's asking, this is my journey, this is my desire. And as I lift my eyes to this hill, how is my help going to come? Who is going to watch over me on this journey? But isn't that a question we've all kind of asked from time to time? Maybe you're even asking it right now, where we have these struggles, a problem, and you're facing a situation and you're wondering, how is this going to work out? Man, I'm in this situation, and I, I'm wondering, who's going to step in and help me with this? It is an honest, and it's such a fair question. And the psalmist is very open with his fear. I lift up my eyes to the heels, and there is fear all around me. Where is my help going to come from? And he fights this fear with truth. Because look at verse 2. He reminds himself, my help, he's proclaiming this truth to himself, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so he reminds himself that ultimately his help comes from one source. And he says it comes from the Lord. So when fear comes and troubles or perils or temptations and pain, but through them ultimately the help comes from one source, he says, the Lord. No, no, that sounds great, doesn't it? Isn't that what Christians are supposed to say? That no matter we find ourselves in anything, hey, the Lord will come through. The Lord's going to provide. But notice what the psalmist does. It's so much more than just a cliche. The psalmist wants us to see not only who the help comes from, but the power that is behind that help. So our help comes from the Lord. And notice the description. The one who made heaven and earth. So don't miss this, that our help comes from the one that made everything. And why is that so important, that our help comes from the one who made heavens and the earth? And I think this is it, that if your help is based on anything else, and we've all found ourselves in this situation, we put our trust in our intelligence or maybe our education. Listen, it's going to have limitations. We can put our help into our finances. You know, I'm I'm good as long as I've got this. But it's going to have limitations. I can put my help in my place in society. But it's going to have limitations. But the psalmist says, if you put your hope in the Lord, that source has absolutely no limits. It's the one that made the heavens and the earth. So our help comes from the most powerful source there is. And then if you notice in this psalm, so he sets it up. Where does my help come from? He proclaims the truth. My help comes from the Lord, the one that made heavens and the earth. No greater source. But then there's a change in this psalm in verse 3. Because you notice there's actually someone else They're with him. Because look at verse 3. He says, he, so we change persons. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So perhaps, I don't know, somebody comes alongside this young traveler. Maybe he hears him proclaiming this truth to himself, talking to himself, Looking out, where's my help going to come from? My help is going to come from the Lord. And he encourages this young traveler. He says, yes, your help is going to come from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And then he adds, and God will not let your foot be moved. And it is kept by the one who never slumbers nor sleeps. Now, if you're a parent or a grandparent of a young children, you know how exhausting that can be. You go through one of those long days, takes everything out of you, you finally get them bathed and fed and down, you sit down and you finally let just the stress of the day uh, leave you, and all of a sudden there's that cry for help again. And it takes everything we have, and you do it like I do, you love them with all your heart, but you still do the, ah. And it takes everything you can to get up off that couch, even though you know deep down you want to do this and you're glad to do it. But it takes everything in you to get back up and to go to them. But the one who protects us, the one who brings us all that we need that is our help, he never grows tired, he never grows weary, and he never needs to sleep. Meaning there is never a moment in your life that God is not working for your good. Even in those great moments of stress and frustration and anxiety, God is there with all the power of creation with Him. Meaning there is never a moment He is not holding or protecting you with all of His might. We never have to fear that God is not aware, He's not paying attention, or that He's too tired or too weary to do something. So the person speaking then does something that is all common throughout the Old Testament. He takes this young traveler beside him, and he reminds him. He says, the Lord will not let your foot be moved. God brings security. He is also the one who keeps Israel. He said, remember them? Remember your people? He reminds this young traveler of God's protection in the past. God knows that our memories are short. He knows that about me and that's why we need to constantly be telling and reminding ourselves of God's protection and how he cares for us. So I was just thinking back over this last year, it's hard to believe 364 days ago through 2017 began and man, we were faced with some challenges. I finally finished school, like for the ninth time, I don't remember what it is now. We've been praying about it, is this a chance for Marla, my wife, to go to school? She's put me through school twice. She's kind of put in her dues. But how would we do it? How are we going to make it financially? We have one of our children that struggles educationally, facing some major challenges. What do we do? How do we get her the help that she needs? How do we support her? And then also just even our own campus. Man, knowing, man, it would be great to have some new space, but not knowing in the world there was nothing around us, nothing available, what do we do? So we start praying. And then we look back, and I can see how God's moved in all of those situations. And so that got me thinking. Uh, I'm not, I've tried several times, but I, for some reason, God has not wired me to be a person that journals. I journal three days, and then I remember that, and I look back, and it's been like six or seven months since I've done it again. So I know I, that's just not how I'm wired. But I noticed I began writing down some of the things about how God had come through and noticing his faithfulness. And it was such a good reminder for me about how God is always working for my good, how he is always keeping me. But God does not just look out for us financially. He's doing so much more than that. Because notice what verses 5 and 6 say. The Lord, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. So often in Scripture, shade is an image of protection. If you've ever been somewhere where the sun has been bearing down on you, you know what that feels like. To finally be able to find shade and that temperature begin to drop. But here the Lord protects us and it says day and night. So I want us to see just a couple of things about what this psalmist is perhaps thinking about When this is written down, I think we need to remind ourselves just how close God is when we're in need. He's not off in some distant land just looking through some crystal ball. It says that He is close enough that He is casting a shadow over us. He is the shade on our right hand. He is that close to us. He is with us. He is in us. He is for us. He's close enough to cast a shadow on you. second thing that's important to see is that God never leaves us. And you've got this day and night imagery. One can often mean blessing and one can mean lots of fear. But it's showing us that he is constantly there. This traveler, whether the heat or the exhaustion of the day might get him, or robbers and animal by night, this young traveler is assured that there is nothing that he will ever face. That God is not already there. Whether it's at day or it's at night, God is always protecting him. Now, I want us to look at these last two verses. These last two verses, this is what's really caused me to kind of pause and just to think for a while. Because I can can actually get behind, okay, the Lord is my help. He's always there. He's always going to take care of me. Day and night, He is my protection. And it's easy for me to somewhat believe those. And we have these moments in our lives where God shows up in big ways. In fact, in ways that we could say, man, only God could do that. Man, we've got a family right now. I got to see them the other day. I don't know if you know the Skiles family, if you've been following their journey with young Sophie. Sophie's at Children's Hospital now, probably within the last weeks, if not days, of her life with a battle of cancer, not even three years old. Spending some time talking with Jonathan Shelby on Friday, and he says, you know, we've just left this in God's hands, and the only thing that will save her now is if God chooses to do something here on earth. And, man, that's that moment where you get to where your only help is in the Lord, and if she's miraculously healed, the only thing, we would say is only God can do that. And hopefully you have some of those things in your life where you would say, man, that was only because of God that that happened. And I know for me, if I had time to share with you, so for some of you that know me, all three of my children's births came about that way. Total, absolute miracles. But as I look back and I'm thinking through and studying through this song, I can believe that. God brings his help with all the power of creation. I can believe that. I can believe that he doesn't have to sleep and he's protecting me day and night. But it's this verse 7 and 8 that I find it really hard to believe at times. And this is how it reads. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth Forevermore. So he's saying that the Lord will keep me from all evil. And for me, that's hard to imagine. Hopefully, that's hard for you to imagine because we think about some of the things that have happened, maybe to you or to your neighbors or your family. And it's hard to believe that God would actually keep us from all evil. Because maybe you've had to struggle through some things. Maybe you're one that your spouse cheated on you. Maybe you had a business partner that did some shady things and and it affected you. Maybe you had your reputation dragged through the mud when you were just trying to, to do the honorable and the thing of integrity. Maybe there's been physical, emotional, and even sexual abuse. And I know whether it's you, you know people that have gone through these things where tragedy has struck and even death seems to win. So it's in those moments that it's hard to really believe that God is going to keep us from all evil because it doesn't feel like that. Because we never wake up to a world. We never get to wake up to a world that's been freed from the fall. You'll never interact with people here on earth that have escaped the curse. It's just the world that we live in now. So what does he mean when he says the Lord will keep you from all evil? Well, it doesn't mean that he will never allow us to experience the effects of evil. We've all felt that. But there is not an evil that can ever get at your soul. The Lord is keeping Because what can harm a soul that the Lord is keeping? The psalmist says absolutely nothing. Meaning this, when you are in Christ, when you've heard the gospel, and you realize that Jesus is your only hope, there is nothing that we have to fear. So one of my favorite passages, when I feel the fear overwhelmingly, at times it seems like it's paralyzing. Oftentimes I go to John 10. John 10, it's in verse 27, and it's this great imagery of, of the shepherd. And this is how it reads My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out. Of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Meaning there's not an evil that the world can ever get at your soul if you are being kept by Christ. Jesus is keeping and protecting the souls of His sheep. In fact, He gave His life to do so. Meaning that Satan can't touch it, He can't hurt it, He can't cut it, He can't cause your soul any pain. Or sorrow. Listen how D.A. Carson says it. The Lord will keep us. And we know that from scripture. But maybe not your wealth. Or your health. Or your securities. But he will keep the evil one from taking our souls. Meaning if you are in Christ. There is nothing you need to fear. Because there is nothing we will ever face. That God is not already there. And he is always keeping, and he is always protecting. So this psalm, to me, is all about having the right perspective. And so I know as January's coming, and for me, it's such a difficult month, it seems, every year. About setting my perspective right. But what I want to do is that, I want to kind of take this and end with just... Maybe some real practical things. And these are some things I've been thinking over even this last week for me. Just getting ready for January. It's coming a few hours away. And I know this about me. So I want to close with just a couple of, I call them weapons. That I know I need to help me to respond. And first that psalmist says this. I lift my eyes to the heels. And it's all about... A focusing upward. But how can we do that? One, I know for me, I need to set some spiritual goals. And I'll be, here's one that I want to say to you because this kind of makes me more accountable. I don't know why this is. We're called to be people of prayer. I want to be more of a person of prayer. And that's the one thing, probably from the get go of Bethel, I can remember it being a praying church. When we were just at one campus, my second Sunday, I'm walking in. Somebody was stopped on the breezeway with their hand on them praying for them right there. But I don't know why it is, but it is so hard for me to pray with my wife. So I sit down I said, hey, Marla, here's what I want to do. I want to set a goal that for the next year, 365 days, whether I'm here or I'm traveling or you're gone, that every night we will pray, whether it's over the phone or in person, but setting that spiritual goal to lifting my eyes up. Maybe it's being around God's Word more. You know, being here in 2000, almost 18, there is no excuse for us not to be in God's Word anymore. I mean, it's all at the touch of our palms and our phones. Finding finding a reading plan that, that may be something that you're going through to let that speak to you. Getting around God's Word to lift our eyes up. For some of us, it might be serving. Been coming for a while. This is your church. But the question has to be, where am I allowing God to use the gifts he's given me? Maybe it's finding a small group this year. A men's or a women's group or a life group. Getting involved in other people's lives so that you have someone like that young psalmist that did, that can encourage them and that you can encourage them. But doing something to lift our eyes to the heels And then he says, where does my help come from? And he says, my help comes from the Lord. So a weapon is to commit some truths to memory. That when those battles that we have in our minds happen, that we actually have some weapons to fight back with. So I wrote a few down that I'm going to commit to memory this year. So whenever I'm facing a difficult day, maybe going through a difficult situation... Reminding myself that before the Lord flung the stars into space, God already had today in mind. When I'm facing a situation, I don't know what to do. Reminding myself that God is never at a loss in knowing what He is going to do. When people change, and that happens, people turn out to be who we thought they weren't and things like that, but God never does. When someone dies, nothing of God dies. When our lives are altered by something unexpected, nothing of God is altered or unexpected. So I think the first thing is lifting our eyes to the heels, finding something, doing something, setting some goals that move our eyes off of ourselves into God's Word and onto other people. And then finding some weapons that you commit to memory to fight that battle that goes on in your mind. So this psalmist is living proof that faith is counting on the Lord when we don't know what tomorrow holds. Because he knows that there is nothing we will ever face where God is not already there. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this message this morning is actually a message that I know I need to hear each and every day. That there is nothing that I'll ever face where you are not already there waiting and eager to help and to protect and to sustain. Lord, we need to be constantly reminded that our dependence is on you as we try to raise our children, love our spouses live lives of integrity in our jobs. Lord, we are thankful that we can fully look to you as our help in each and every situation. So, Lord, we confess that there is nothing that we will ever face where you are not already there for us. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, church, if you will please stand with me. Our benediction this morning, and man, we hope you'll have a great start to the new year. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Go in peace. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com.